even goes beyond focusing on just physical threats to call out a range of intimidating behavior, like closely following or watching voters at polling places, making threats about potential legal action for things that aren't actually illegal, or threatening to give out voters personal information so other people can find them. Hi, and welcome to The Shrinks on Third, our psychology and social justice podcast. I'm psychologist Julie Mayer. And I'm psychologist Cindy Ariel. Welcome in. Cindy, I am so glad the midterm elections are over. Finally, it was so stressful. Definitely was. What what a buildup and the, the worry about who would win. And the safety of those brave people out there voting under all kinds of ridiculous circumstances. Yeah, that too, Julie. As this past midterm election, Election Day 2022, got closer, a lot of us got more and more worried about threats and intimidation aimed at voters and election workers. Of course, these concerns are not new. But since 2020, There have been increasing threats and violence around the election process. During the 2020 election and beyond, misinformation and lies about the integrity of the process created a very angry and violent political atmosphere. And of course, this was purposeful to rile everyone up and also make people afraid to go out and vote. It feels like an ongoing insurrection attempt. It really does. And the insurrection at the Capitol on January 6, 2021, aimed at overturning the results of the presidential election, was the most visible example, but it wasn't the only one. Unsurprisingly, there have been a number of concerning incidents of voter intimidation, as well as aggression, aimed at politicians and other officials. How about Nancy Pelosi's 82-year-old husband, Paul, getting his head bashed in with a hammer? Oh my gosh, that was so horrifying and crazy and totally intimidating. Right before the midterms, which are traditionally less of a focus than general elections, there were disturbing reports of intimidation by poll watchers, raising concerns about the potential intimidation of voters and others around the election. Right. Thankfully, a lot of people successfully worked on this to put laws and safeguards in place to protect voters and officials from intimidation and to ensure that the election stayed as free and fair as possible. But up until the end of election day and the extra days it took to count all the ballots, it was really unclear what was going to happen and a lot of us were scared. Well, I definitely was. I was worried that wins would not be respected or accepted, that there'd be huge fights about it. Mm -hmm. Even though it went well for the most part too, it took far too much vigilance and hard work to avoid problems at the polls. There shouldn't ever be any. Right. That's the whole basis for our democracy. We're free to vote for whomever we choose. Period. No intimidation. Some states were more problematic than others in terms of the possibility of potential issues at the polls. Ours, Pennsylvania, was one of them. Right. The FBI issued a press release right before the election 
warning that seven states were seeing unusual levels of threats to election workers, including right here in Pennsylvania, of course. Yeah, you know, poll watchers themselves are supposed to help elections stay fair, but they've sometimes been the source of intimidation instead. The Republican Party was talking about recruiting what they called an army of poll watchers. Accidental wording? I think not. No, I think when you say army, you mean something aggressive. <laughs> it's, it's purposeful and meant to intimidate voters. Yeah. And in Arizona, right-wing extremists recruited volunteers to monitor drop boxes, and some of them showed up armed in tactical gear. In Colorado, volunteers for a group called the U.S. Election Integrity Project went door-to-door armed looking for voter fraud. That is so scary. Armed. Are we in a military state? I mean, it really does sound like something a totalitarian country would do, not us, not here. In a poll worker training hosted by the GOP the day before the primary in Michigan, attendees were referred to as undercover agents and told since they were undercover agents, they could ignore election laws. Well, you know, that that makes the GOP sound like insurrectionists, doesn't it? Mm. And these are just some of the examples that stood out and that we heard about. The thing is, an important reminder to that GOP, according to both federal and state laws, intimidating voters or election workers is illegal. Right? Some federal laws are pretty strict on prohibiting intimidation or threats or even attempting to. Both the Voting Rights Act and the Civil Rights Act of 1957 prohibit actual or even attempted intimidation, threats, or coercion of voters. There are also significant civil and criminal penalties for people who intimidate or interfere in any way with our right to vote. And federal law even goes beyond focusing on just physical threats to call out a range of intimidating behavior like closely following or watching voters at polling places, making threats about potential legal action for things that aren't actually illegal, or threatening to give out voters' personal information so other people can find them. Discriminatory challenges based on race, ethnicity, national origin, religion, or any minority group are also illegal. It still happens, But at least usually voters whose rights are challenged still get to cast a provisional ballot so that if their eligibility to vote is later confirmed, their vote gets counted the same as a regular ballot. I just wish these laws would be enforced. Yes, it's concerning for voters who should be but aren't reinstated. So it's not foolproof, but sometimes it's the best we've got. Well, it it just feels like it's not enough, and obviously it is not, especially when evil forces are doing everything they can to upend our voting. People are scared. Besides protecting voters, a lot of the laws also protect election officials and other people who work to help other people vote or register to vote. Federal law even gives specific protection against threatening phone calls, emails, and social media messages aimed at election officials and election workers. But still, you know, do they actually get enforced? I know. States have their own laws to help reduce the risk of intimidation, too. And these sometimes carry even stricter penalties. But who's watching? Yeah. In general, poll watchers have to go by rules of conduct. 
That's the whole point. That's why they're doing that, <laughs> being a poll watcher. Most states limit who can be a poll watcher and how many can be at any one location. In some states, poll watchers are not allowed to speak to voters at all. Of course, even with these laws and restrictions in place, people were still scared. That's what I'm saying. What if there were no one at the polling place to stop someone from any of these actions? In some states, poll workers do take an oath of office to uphold state law when serving. Which is great in theory. But we haven't been able to get a guarantee on officials who take an oath to uphold the Constitution. Correct. Some polling places have law enforcement officers stationed there for safety. But that can be intimidating, too, both intentionally and unintentionally. So basically what we're saying here is that a lot of this is problematic. There are all these safeguards, and still, leading up to the midterms, there seemed to be so much of all different kinds of intimidation either happening or being threatened. In some states, including Pennsylvania, officers who show up to the polls without being called there by election officials have committed a crime. It's like any kind of security. Take cybersecurity. Where security systems are put in place, hackers figure out ways to get around them, and then new security patches are installed. And it just goes on and on with the stakes getting higher and higher. It's pretty much just like that. Election deniers across the country canvassed by phone and in person, questioning voters' eligibility or past voting records to find their non-existent fraud. Who finds these people and then proves they were intimidating? Will they be prosecuted? Of course, they would deny it, and um, no one seems to prosecute them. They just kept up a constant fight, which takes time and money and focus away from getting out the vote and empowering the candidates and scaring voters and poll workers. The Supreme Court made clear that states are free to restrict guns at polling places, but many did not, because they're also free not to. This seems like it should always be the case during voting. No guns. What do you need them for at a voting place? It's just common sense if you actually want people to vote. Mm, and not everyone thinks so, apparently. And not everyone wants everyone to vote. And there are all sorts of variations. Some states prohibit concealed weapons, but allow open carry. Now, seeing a firearm is intimidating. Uh, yeah, it definitely is. <laughs> There might be laws, but with so much acceptable lawlessness, once again, who's going to stop it? The Department of Justice sends election monitors to polling places to monitor the voting processes for compliance with federal laws, but they can't be everywhere. And what if they're not where they need to be? It really is challenging. Of course, there is recourse. Victims of intimidation can theoretically sue in federal court but that's after the fact, after they've already been victimized and probably traumatized. So back to the midterms. Yes, we're relieved that the outcome of the election showed us that most people still believe in not being violent. Yes. So I think the outcome is, and this is good news, some faith has been restored in our democracy. A little. The craziness came too close to home. But we now have some glimmer of hope that all is not lost. That insanity may not reign after all. Well, maybe we're being too optimistic. I don't know. Absolutely. Given what we know, we still need to be vigilant now and in any future elections. Yes, we do. 
The fight is continuing to take away our rights. For more information on how to keep our elections free, safe, and fair, the Brennan Center for Justice at Brennan, B-R-E-N-N-A-N, center.org, publishes news, information, and resources about this, including the legal and procedural safeguards that ensure compliance with state and federal laws. Check it out. And may all our future elections be safe and fair. Thanks for listening today. You can find us at shrinksonthird.com and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Shrinks on Third. Until next time, take care.